Right, tonight we're looking at uh, being a self-feeder, all right? And I'm going to let you study it first, and then we're going to talk, talk about it. Some, somebody asked, several people have actually asked me, though, but when we talk about conforming or transforming, can you conform to transform? Well, you asked the question, effectively that question last week. Now, here's the problem with conforming to transform. You see, if you conform, in other words, you're, you're, you're doing what everybody else around you is doing. Uh, you're doing what the pastor wants you to do uh, in this context. Where's your focus? It's for your focus is on what you're doing. Your focus is on what you're actually doing. Your focus is on the, the, the ritual you're going through. Uh, and you can do it with, with a system. You can do it with a person. You, know, you, you, you look at one person and you say, well, that's my standard, and you, you do that standard. Now, <coughs> what has to happen is you have to shift from the system or the person to Jesus, right? At some stage, you have to shift from one to the other. That's always painful. That is always painful because you've got to break one dependence in order to shift to another dependence entirely. So, no, you can't conform to transform. Now, here's what trips you up, though. When you're conforming, sometimes you develop disciplines that actually help you later on. But usually between when you conformed and the place where you transformed, you had to get a belt across the side of the head with a two-by-four actually make you make the shift because it's not easy it's hard because you've got you've got your dependence on one thing that's what's sustaining you and you're saying okay i'm keeping the rules i'm doing everything right i'm doing everything good and at some stage it has to fail for you so that you actually get thrown on jesus so no we don't want you conforming to transform right we want to start believers off from day one depending on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's scary. That's terrifying for me as a pastor, right? <clears throat> because I'd much sooner tell you what to do and kind of uh, line you up with a whole lot of things to do And because I know you could do those things. Um, <clears throat> but the problem with it is that if we do that, you end up not learning to feed yourself. You end up depending on something else or someone else to feed you. And Christianity is never secondhand. Christianity is not done through a mediator. Christianity is done when you actually engage with the person of Jesus Christ and begin to grow. And that's the only place you grow, when you actually engage with Jesus Christ. Many of you will remember <coughs> uh, a child learning to eat with a spoon. How many of you remember that? That's, it's the messiest thing in the whole world, isn't it? And if you're a tidy kind of person, listen, if you're any kind of a person, <laughs> uh, tidy or no, what you want to do is you want to take the spoon off the kid and feed the kid. Because like, <laughs> you, you can't stand the mess. You can't stand the mess all over the kid. You know, three spoonfuls are going on the floor, one spoonful's going in the mouth. And, um, <clears throat> but do you know that if you take the spoon off the child and you actually do the feeding, the child will have a much more difficult time learning to feed themselves. And that's a pretty important thing that we, that we learn, how to feed ourselves. And spiritually, the only place you can feed 
is abiding with Jesus. You can't conform to transform. Uh, in my experience, at least not without getting a belt in the side of the head with a, with a two by four that shifts you and makes you move because we do what we learn. We, we do what's easy for us until we can't do it anymore and then we're forced to actually go look into Christ. So we don't want to set that system up for people. We want to actually take the risk and have them come to Jesus, fail maybe, get back up, get them going again, keep them moving. We want them to come to Jesus and learn to abide in Christ because that's the only place that Christianity works. Christianity is, is impossible to do by a list of rules. It's impossible to do through somebody else. Christianity only works when you're sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and drawing on his power and his teaching. It's the only thing that works. And yes, that's messy, like teaching a child to, to eat with a spoon. <clears throat> but it's the only way, all right? And you'll know it yourself, right? Uh, it's kind of nice to come on a Sunday morning and somebody else has prepared the meal and you just sit there and daydream half the time. And <clears throat> the other half the time you're taking something in and then you go home feeling, well, you know what, I did my bit. Maybe it'd be nice for me too. <clears throat> but the reality is that that's got to be the primer to actually draw you closer to Jesus so that you go seeking him or it doesn't work. If you just depend on that, if you come to church on a Sunday morning for your quick fix and go out and spend, uh, you know, the other six days and 23 hours not engaging with Christ, you're never going to grow. You're just never going to grow. You've got to learn to feed yourself. You've got to learn to actually get in the word, to get with Jesus. And it's messy and it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, it's hard at first, but after a while. It begins to become the norm for you. That you actually draw near to him and you draw from him. And you feed yourself. It was mentioned on Sunday about the fact that Christians know less than they did 10 years ago. <coughs> Evangelical Christians, they know less about Christianity. They, they know less about God. And the problem is that so many Christians are just depending on the church, the, the messages, the pastor, whatever else it is that they're depending on. And they've not come to the place where they're feeding themselves. So when you have COVID and everybody's yanked out of church and the pressure's off and everybody's kind of drinking tea and, uh, you know, <coughs> playing on their phones uh, while they're watching the message on live stream, you know what happens? What happens is there's a disconnect that comes. <coughs> but the disconnect is just showing up the problem that was already there. There wasn't a connection to begin with. So that what happened is when, when the, the semblance of the connection was taken apart, taken away, when the framework, if you like, was taken away, people kind of collapsed in themselves. So it gives us a great point to start from. We need to be self-feeders. Listen, come to church. You need fellowship. You need the preaching of the word. But don't depend upon that. Come on in, Mark. But don't depend upon the seat up here. Don't worry, you can't be invisible. As much as you try, you can't be invisible. Right? <laughs> All right. um, but so, so what happens is that unless we've got that abiding relationship with him, that intimate relationship with him, sooner or later, it fails. Now, sometimes the failure happens, and it's the thing that actually catapults us into relationship. 
But sooner or later it fails because it's the abiding relationship that he's after. He's, he's not going to settle for you living a set of rules. He's not going to settle for you living Christianity secondhand. He's going to go after it and go after you and want, want to bring you deeper with him. That's what he's about. He's, he, <coughs> Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could go to church. Does that make sense? Jesus died on the cross so that he could have an intimate relationship with you. He was reconciling us to himself. And he's, he's going to have his eye on the intimate relationship and he'll do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes and whatever you'll work with, he will do to bring you into that intimate relationship because he's more interested in it than you are. And the obstacles that get put in his way along the way, he'll knock them out of the way eventually. And, and bring you in. Or does that make sense? Anybody got any questions on that? Now, now, you can't conform to transform, but sometimes you pick up some, some disciplines along uh, the route of confirmation that actually help you uh, later on. But <clears throat> you do need that knock to actually jog you from depending on one thing uh, into depending upon the other, and it's painful. It's not ideal. Ideally, what we want is we want people um, <coughs> transforming, going up to Christ. Now, having said that, um, is discipline important in this whole picture? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you have got to do <coughs> the right things. Chief, the, mo the most important part of your Christian walk is going to be your devotional time with God. Nothing trumps that. And if you're, if you're not having that devotional time with him and enjoying that time with him, you, you're, not, you're not going to grow the way you could grow. Right now, what are the problems with having a devotional time with God? What problems do people, I know, I know you don't, all right, so I'm not asking you what problems you have, but what problems do people have uh, with a devotional time with God? Distractions. Sorry? Distractions. distractions. Listen, not the biggest distraction there is. <laughs> Another biggest distraction. I mean, when they came out, we thought they were great, and they are great. But the distraction... Uh, and that's just one of the distractions. I mean, <laughs> the world is full of distractions, things that keep you away. What about this? Actually dedicating the time. Because you're busy. Aren't you? Now, I'm, I'm never sure what I'm so busy doing, but I'm always busy. And I, I do genuinely think that in our minds at least, we are far busier than other generations. We're busier than the generation that sat about around the fire at night because they had nothing else to do. We're definitely busier than that generation. Right? And they had nothing, but they had time. And we have time, but uh, we have lots, but we have no time. Right? So uh, time. And so what you, how are you going to do this thing of having a devotional life with the Lord? How are you going to feed yourself? You, yeah, you're going to have to have a discipline where you say, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm, <coughs> that's, to my mind, that's the best way. It may not be the best way for you. I understand that. But I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to carve out this time, and I'm going to spend it with him. And by the way, if you do it for a while, the benefits are so great that you'll want to keep doing it. doesn't mean that you can't fall off it, but the benefits are great. You'll want to keep doing it. Right? So, so you have to develop some disciplines in your life. In other words, you have to learn to say no to yourself. And yes to things that are important. And we're not good at that. We're good at saying yes to ourselves and no to things that are painful to us. 
you have to learn to say no to yourself and do the things that are important uh, because the things that are important usually are not the things that are easy. Right? <clears throat> so you've got to learn. So, no, you can't conform to transform, but you do need discipline if you're going to transform. You need to be able to get close to the Lord and you need to develop those, those habits and those patterns and do it and stay in that place and keep in that place. Uh, men's home is a great example. You brought up the men's home as an, uh, as an example. Men's home have to get up. What time in the morning do you guys have to get up at? Half seven. Half seven. Listen, you guys have got it easy. <laughs> Six o'clock. <laughs> you guys have got it easy. <laughs> what was in your day? <laughs> okay, he's a five. All right, all right. Look, uh, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, right? But. You're, you're in the men's home, you're in a program, so you, 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 you have to get out of bed at a certain hour, and you have de a devotional time then. Uh, whether you like it or not, you've got to spend time in the Word. Now, here's the thing that, that can happen. A guy can go through a whole year of that, and every, year, every morning he gets up. First of all, can anybody make you have devotions? <laughs> no, you, you can be made to sit with a Bible open. But nobody can make you have devotions, right? So the quality of somebody's devotions during that year are going to be basically uh, b based on how much they give themselves to it, right? But then there comes a day when you get your hand shaking and you walk out of the men's home and nobody's dragging you out of bed. And if you haven't made the decision in your heart that this is important and I'm going to continue it, then it doesn't continue. So discipline is important in this thing. You know, learning to do the right things, the things that are helpful and the things that, 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 that lead you in the right path is really important for all of us. Learning to say no to yourself and yes to what's right is really important. It's the only way for you to actually develop that sweet relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that is crucial to this whole thing. All right, so now I've said that. Uh, <clears throat> let's look at your sheets there. By the way, let me ask you a question. How many of you are looking at the um, making it personal uh, <clears throat> at the end of it? When you go home. <laughs> Listen, do. The, the questions are based, I mean, <clears throat> the, the questions I dream up, right? But the questions are, are to try and help you to get to the place where you're a self-feeder. So in your devotions tomorrow night, pull out the sheet, tomorrow morning, pull out the sheet. And have a look at it and ask yourself the questions, right? All right. Wait, has everybody got a sheet? The title is Bottle Fed or Self Feeder. Why do, why do babies get bottles? They can't, they can't handle anything else. They can't even handle a bottle when they're small enough. Right? So babies get bottle fed. But do we expect a baby to stay in that place? No. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean Maya. Uh, Maya, Maya's very cute. She doesn't do much for herself right now. She gets fed a bottle. Can she hold a bottle yet, Josh? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but if she's still in that place when she's five, she's very cute now. We'll all be saying, oh, poor Maya. We expect her to learn to feed herself. And by the time she's an adult, we expect her to be able to cook the food and, and then eat it. Now, spiritually speaking... Bible says, as newborn babes, desire ye the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. You're supposed to grow to the place where you could take out your Bible and you can feed yourself. Where you're not depending upon Google 
or the pastor or somebody else to answer your questions, that what you're actually doing is you're opening your Bible and you're finding answers to your own questions because they're important to you. All right. So the writer's frustrated with these believers. Why is he frustrated? Why, why, is, he, why is he frustrated with the believers? Sorry? They're not hearing, okay. Dull of hearing, okay, they're dull of hearing, yes. Um, they still need to be taught when they should be teachers. It's like Maya. If Maya was five years old and still looking for a bottle, Joshua's going to be going mad. Uh, he just, you know, because she should be able to handle food. Now, unless there's something wrong, and then a baby can't handle it, but you know what? You're supposed to grow. Now, here's the thing. Paul's coming to these believers. I, I believe it's Paul. The, the, the Hebrews doesn't say who the writer is. I believe it's Paul. But, but the writer's coming to these believers, and he's frustrated with them because he's talking about th things to them, and they're looking at them with that blank stare. I have no clue what you're talking about. Right? And he's saying, but you should be able to understand this. You should know. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you should be teachers now. You have need that one teach you again will be the first principles of the oracles of God. Now, what are the first principles of the oracles of God? Well, what would some of those things be? Some of, okay, Revelation. What, what, what would the first principles be? The Bible is the word of God. Have you got that settled in your heart? Now, you, now how do you get that settled in your heart, by the way? Pardon? Reading it. Yeah, very good. Right? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you study the word of God and read the word of God, the word of God, which is a living word, convinces you of its truth. Right? But there's, there's an element of work involved in that, isn't there? You've got to actually dig into it and look at it and read it and go through it. And you, you, you need to do that. If you're going to grow, you need to get that settled. What, what about the virgin birth? That, is, that, is, that, is that a hokey story in your head that Jesus was born of a virgin? Or have you settled that from the scripture? Now, that's, that's so. now here's the thing. Um, there are cults out there that will try and shake you on those things. I remember walking into a guy's home, with, actually with Kevin Daly. Kevin Daly was with me. We walked into a guy's home here in Tala, right? And um, it was John May. Any of, any of you know John May? Uh, he was a... Uh, wrecked the head. <laughs> but he was a JW, and it, it, he was a disillusioned JW, is what he was, right? But he, he, he said, oh, he said, oh, come on in, I'm going to shake your faith. <laughs> and that, that was his purpose. His purpose was he was going to shake our faith. There are people out there who delight in shaking your faith. What are you going to do about that? How can you stop somebody from shaking your faith? You need to be solid. In Scripture and in the truth, you need to have learned some things and internalized some things, you know, so that you've actually got them settled in your soul. Is Jesus the Son of God? Is he fully God, as fully God as the Father is? Now, some of you are going, yeah, I think so, but that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that question mark that comes into your mind when I say something like that. Now, you need to have that settled. You need to settle that. That needs to be rocks in your foundation the first oracles of god you need to come to the place where that's settled for you right and the only way you do that is in your relationship with jesus christ scripture and your relationship with jesus christ you see here's the thing 
trying to prove to you that Jesus is not God is kind of ridiculous if you've just spent an hour with him that morning. You know, I mean, nobody's, nobody's going to find any traction there uh, in trying, trying to convince you. So you've got to be in the place where you've got some things nailed down. right? And what the writer is doing is he's just upset with these people because they haven't got the basics down. They're still waffling back and forth. They're still talking philosophy and all kinds of rubbish theology, and they don't know the basics. And he said, get the basics settled. Christianity is important. Bible talks about the people that are ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They're just going on and on. They're learning a bit of this thing and learning a bit of that thing and learning a bit of that thing. But they never come to the place where they're, where they're settled on the truth. The scripture is truth. In relationship with Jesus Christ, you can uncover that truth, you can internalize that truth, and you can be rock solid in your faith. You don't need to be in the place where you're, oh, I hope I never meet John May on the, <coughs> you know. You don't need to be in that place. Because, listen, you may not be the best debater in the world. You don't have to be. You don't have to win the debate. You just have to know the Savior. And when you know him and know truth, nobody can shake you on that. But, <coughs> you know, you're unskillful in the word of righteousness when you don't know the basics. So what do you do? Is that a permanent dis disability that you have? Or is that something that you can fix? Something you can fix, isn't it? You start digging into the word. You, 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 you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes so that you can understand it. You start growing in it. You don't have to stay permanently disabled because you're unskillful in the word of righteousness. And that's not what Paul was doing. Paul was telling these people, listen, buck up. Get going. Get moving. Right? Why would a believer need milk and not meat? Why would these people need milk and not meat? To help them grow, yeah. But he's, he's contrasting. He's saying, you know, you should be able for meat by now. What's going on here? How, how come you're not able for meat? How come you're only, you're only able for milk? How come I've, I've got to come back and, I, you know, and I, I, I can go somewhere else and I can teach deep truth and they say, yeah, give it to us. I can go to the Bereans and they'll, they'll take truth off me and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll um, test it out and check it out and they'll come back to me for more. But you people, I have to dumb it down for you. I, you know, I have to talk about nice, nice soft things. Right? Um, you need milk when you should need meat because you're not mature. Here's what you'll see sometimes, right? You'll see a believer who's been knocking around for 20, 30 years, and they've been saved for 20 or 30 years, and you can't talk to them about the deep things of God because they don't get it. Now, what's the problem? Confidence? Could, could, be, could be a confidence thing. They're settling for milk. They're not growing. Like the baby. The baby gets milk because, you know, uh, they, 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 they need to grow. But as they grow, they get more solid food. And because they get more solid food, they grow. And they, they get to uh, internalize that. You and I need to be growing in our understanding of God and God's word. Christianity is not a static thing. It's not a check-the-box thing. 
It's something you're growing in, you're, you're moving ahead in, you're, you're, you're growing deeper in your understanding of Scripture. Here's an illustration for you. How many of you found the first time you read Proverbs, a proverb, it didn't make sense? <laughs> maybe, one more, maybe one verse made sense. But the next time you read it, maybe two verses made sense. And then maybe three verses made sense. What's happening is you're growing in your understanding of Scripture. That's why you need the whole counsel of God. You need to be reading through all the Scripture and letting it kind of uh, speak into your life. And speak. In. And by the way, there's no point in you reading Scripture like it's a textbook, you know, and going away and not doing it. You have to actually say, okay, all right, that's what it says. That's what I need to do. And, you, and, you, and as you read it, and as you do it by the power of the Spirit, you're maturing. You're growing. You're, you're, you're growing deeper so that you can handle more. Right? And that's where we're supposed to be going. We're supposed to be growing in this thing. Listen, you're not supposed to be the same place you were this time last year if you were saved this time last year. You're supposed to be growing. I'm not supposed to be. You know, there's no plateau you arrive on and that's it, you're done. You know, un un until you meet Jesus, you should be growing. Right? <clears throat> uh, you, you should be moving ahead as far as the scripture is concerned, as far as your understanding of God is concerned. It's the great study of man, <laughs> for man, studying and understanding Jesus Christ. All right? <clears throat> so you're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be growing in that all the time. Right? And then, <clears throat> what does it mean to discern both good and evil? You need to know, know the difference between right and wrong. How do you know the difference between right and wrong? Scripture. The Word of God. Morality comes from the Word of God. If you remove God from the picture, you have no basis for morality. By the way, that's actually a logical argument. If you remove God from the picture, you have no basis for morality. Because what, what would the basis of morality be if there's not a God that gives us morality? Pardon? Whatever you feel. Whatever, whatever your group of people happens to feel. And if you happen to be an Aboriginal tribe that, tribe that believes it's okay to kill your neighbors, hey, go for it. That's your morality. And, and the thing about it is that, no, we, we have the Word of God, and the Word of God teaches us a morality. It teaches us right from wrong. And as we take and apply it, we grow and we understand. You, you don't need to come and ask somebody, is that right or is that wrong? No, you know what? Listen, you have the Word of God and you have the Spirit of God. You can discern right from wrong. Now, you may need to at times, you know, when you're growing, come and ask somebody. But the reality is we're, we're, we're not looking for a bunch of people that are dependent upon somebody else to tell them what's right, from, right and wrong. That's, that's not Christianity. Christianity is you internalizing the Word, letting God speak into your life through His Word, and you're growing. And you're moving ahead. And you're getting deeper in it. And because you know right from wrong, and you have the Spirit of God enabling you to do right, you're actually growing exponentially. You're, 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 you're moving ahead in your life. Believers, listen, we're not the top dogs. We don't know everything, and we don't have it all together in and of ourselves, right? But if we are following the Word of God and letting the Spirit of God speak into our lives, and we are growing in Scripture, you know what? We should rise. Not that we're better than anybody else, because it's not us, it's him. 
but we should rise. And that doesn't always happen. Believers don't always rise, but we should rise. I mean, you know, there's more self-help in the Bible as you look at it and let God speak into your life and the Spirit of God enables you, then you're going to find in all the self-help books up in Eastens. If you just let that Word of God into you and you begin to grow and to move ahead. Because remember, you have the Word of God, truth. And you have the Spirit of God, power. No, no self-help program can do that for you. That's, that, that's you working. That's God working in and through you. You ought to be changing and growing, and you ought to expect that. Not a burden, not something, you got to do it. No, you ought to expect that you're growing and you're moving ahead for the rest of your days. So that this time next year, you should be in a better place than you are this year. And a year later, you should be in a better place. And that day when you step out of this world into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, Listen, he's going to make you like him. You're going to be perfected then. But until then, you're supposed to be growing. Right? So we're not playing at religion. We're not playing at scripture. What we're doing is we're, we're expecting the word of God and the spirit of God to work in us as we walk with him and change us and make us different. And here's the thing. I don't have to convince you of that. Because if you're saved, you know that's true. If you're saved... You may not have seen as much of it as you'd like, but you've seen some of it. You've seen God change you in some ways that you're kind of amazed. Listen, there's an ocean of change available to you if you'll just let the Word of God and the Spirit of God do their work in you. Uh, you will change and you will grow. Uh, <clears throat> and so we're not supposed to stay in that place where we're newborn babes. We're supposed to grow and we're supposed to move ahead. All right, so <clears throat> healthy disciples then. A healthy church consists of disciples who live in an intimate, abiding relationship with Christ. And just because people are gathering in large numbers does not mean health is present. There are many biblical, biblical examples of this. Right? <clears throat> um, what do we mean there? Just because we're, we come to church together on a Sunday morning, we're all singing his praises and we're all listening to the word, doesn't mean we're all healthy. Right? Do you, you get that? <laughs> um, coming to church is part of what God wants of you. But it doesn't mean we're healthy. We, we can be depending upon the wrong things. Um, <clears throat> somebody read 2 Timothy 1 verse 13 for us. Second Timothy one thirteen. You got it? Yeah. Uh, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Okay, now Paul is talking to Timothy. He's son of the faith here. Uh, he's um <clears throat> him up and encouraging him as far as ministry is concerned. And he's saying, Hold fast the pattern of sound words. Hold on to the words. I want you to make those that, that you've heard from me. Uh, I, I want you to hold on to those and to move ahead. You and I need to hold on to the word. How many of... That's uh, no, probably not a fair question to ask you, right? But some people appear strong in the word at one point, And then they drift away and you look at them and you say, was that ever real? Were you ever there? Yeah, they were. 
You can drift from it, though. You, you can drift from it. You can move from it. You have to hold fast to it. Here's the thing. How valuable to you is your relationship with Jesus Christ? What value do you place on it? It's absolutely priceless, right? Do we act like that all the time, though? We don't, do we? We will allow other things to come between us and him, and that's a sure sign that we're not acting that way, that we're, that we're not acting as though he's the center of it all for us. And so <clears throat> we need to hold fast to those things that are true. You need to dig in. You need to get some rocks in your gut as far as truth is concerned and your relationship with God is concerned, and I'm never going to be moved. Let me give you the first one that you need to decide, and you need never to let anybody move for you. God loves you. Don't let anybody shake you on that. And people will try. Christians will try sometimes. God loves you. How do you know that? Jesus died for you. And he died for you when you were a wretched sinner. Don't let anybody shake you loose on that. Don't, don't, don't let anybody come between you and him as far as that's concerned. You need him and you need that walk with him and you need to make sure that that never changes. The enemy will pound you. He's been lying about that since the garden. Right? <clears throat> Eve, he doesn't really love you. He's just afraid you'll be as good as he is. So go ahead, have the fruit. And that's why we sin. Because we think we'd be better off doing something he told us not to do or not doing something he told us to do. <clears throat> no, listen. God loves you. You have a relationship with him and you can develop that relationship with him so that it is the sweetest relationship. Remember, it's the only eternal relationship you have going. It's the only one that goes on and on and on and on, and on forever. Every other relationship in this world is made to be broken. See, I can say that because my wife's not here now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every, every other relationship is made to come to an end. But your relationship with him never comes to an end. You're, you're starting something that's, that's growing through eternity. And by the way, it doesn't come to an end when you meet him. You, know? you don't go in a little box in the corner uh, in heaven and enjoy yourself. No, when you meet him, you in a sense, begin to know him. You, you, you begin to know him <clears throat> for who he really is in ways that you couldn't now. So this relationship that you have with him is the most priceless relationship you have. And we need to develop an understanding that draws us into that relationship. And you need to know, too, that because it's that valuable, the enemy is going to spare nothing to shake you loose on it. But you need to come to that place where you're, where you're dug in on that. First uh, Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify the Lord God uh, in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to anyone that asks you a reason of the hope that is within you. Right? What have I asked you? Give me a biblical reason for the hope that is within you tonight. First of all, what's the hope that is within you? What's the hope that is within you? Salvation. I'm going to heaven. Right? I mean, listen, folks, listen, I know you got problems. I got problems. Right? But I don't have any problem 
that's as big as the one I had before I got saved. Right? <clears throat> I have nothing that's as big. And I know you've got problems. I know you've got issues that are weighing heavy on you right now. But there's nothing that compares to the problem of the fact that you were going to hell. Right? Now, counter that with this. Not only am I not going to hell, right? But I am going to heaven. That's the hope that is within you. So can you give a biblical reason for the hope that is within you? I'm putting you on the spot. I'm not gonna, not, not gonna, you need to be able to. Well, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, that's me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, there are verses that should come to your mind as you think about these things because you've been in the scripture and, you, and you've seen it. And it's not rocket science and it's not, you know, um, you, you need a PhD in theology to understand it. No. Believers like you and I have been able to read the Bible since Jesus went home and we, they've been able to discern a reason for the hope that was within them. You and I need that. Way to grow up, if you like, right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> and here's the thing, too. It needs to be not that we're depending upon somebody else. You know, what's the reason for the hope that is within you? Well, let me phone so-and-so, he'll know. Right? <clears throat> or let me Google, Google knows everything, doesn't he? Uh, let me Google it. Google knows. No, it needs to be your understanding of Scripture and your relationship with God, that it's there for you. I mean, is that more than we should expect of ourselves? I think, I think we have a low expectation if it is. Don't we? You know, I think we have a very low expectation if we, if we, if we don't reckon. I mean, so, <clears throat> some of the people that knew God best were, 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 were not pastors or leaders. They were people that sat in their houses with their Bible and talked to them and read their Bibles. You know, and <clears throat> they may not have had the greatest of educations even, but you know what? They knew one book. You can do that. I can do that. It just takes time. It, 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 it's important that we actually say, I don't know, I want to get there. I, I, this, this is the most important thing in my life. Jesus is the most important thing in my life. I, I want to I spend time with him. And again, it's not religion. It's not your list of do's and don'ts. It's your getting to know him. And as you get to know him, the world tends to fall off you. Because the world is not what really lights you up then. What lights you up is your relationship with him. I mean, does that sound ridiculous? No, we're made for this. We were made for this. We were made to know him. Everything else out there is secondary to this. And he wants us to, uh, to embrace that and, and to live that. Right? Uh, Jesus is the, the initiate, the, the Alpha and the Omega. Somebody read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 for us there. No, we'll get someone else. We'll get someone else because we don't want to wear you out tonight, right? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Somebody, somebody, whoever's got it, read it out loud for us there, right? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily 
All right. So the great cloud of witnesses are all those people that have gone before, and they witness to us that it's good, it's workable. Hebrews 12 uh, is just coming directly after Hebrews 11, which is the roll call of faith. And it talks about Noah, and it talks about Abraham, and it talks about Moses, and it talks about those people that gave their bodies uh, to be burned. It talks about all those people that, 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 that fought a good fight and won. And we're supposed to look at them and say, you know what, this is good, we can do this. This is, this is worth doing. I, w- I want to end like they did. I want to end in that place where I'm walking with God. So we've got all these people that witness to us of how good it is to walk with God. Right? <clears throat> and then he says, let us lay aside every weight. What, what are the weights that are holding you back from going after God? What is in your life today that's a stumbling block to you moving ahead and getting to know God in a deeper way? He says, get rid of it, lay it aside. Now understand this, I don't know what it is, you know what it is, and if you're not willing to let it go, what you're, what you're doing is you're saying, no, I value this more, and that's our problem. That's our problem, we value other things more than we value that relationship with him. He says, lay it aside, put aside that weight, uh, and, and the sin which does so easily beset us, what, so the sin that gets in your way and pulls you down, put it away, get rid of it. It's not worth it. It's, you, you've got to come to that place in your mind where you decide, it's just not worth it. I'm not doing it anymore. It's just not worth it. I want something more. I want Jesus. And that which is holding me back has to go, right? And then he says, run with patience. That word patience is the word endurance. Now, endurance is a nasty word. Right? We don't like enduring, do we? We like being soft on ourselves. Endurance means you go out, you do the hard thing, even though you'd sooner sit home and watch telly. Endurance means you do what you're supposed to do, not what you feel like doing. And again, that's another problem for us. Because we're very soft. Very soft on ourselves. And we're never going to get there. Not the place we're going to go if we're soft on ourselves, right? <coughs> Um, the race that is set before us. And here's the thing. Every one of us got a different race. God doesn't expect of me what he expects of you, and he doesn't expect of you what he expects of me. Every one of us have got a different course that he set before us. Right? And he wants you to run with endurance, but you've got to get rid of the weight if you're going to do it, right? Uh, looking unto Jesus. You know when you're running a race, where do you look? How many of you have ever done competitive running? Where do you look? Where do you look? Okay. Uh, when you come near the finish line, what are you looking at? No, you're looking behind the finish line. Because they want you going through the finish line at full speed. Right? They want you going. They, they, they don't want you, then If you look at the finish line, what happens is you slow down as you come to the finish line. But they teach you to look beyond it so that you are running at full belt because the guy behind you is going to catch you up. Uh, right. And so, uh, <clears throat> you're supposed to be looking onto Jesus. You're supposed to be looking 
to the rewards in heaven, to being with him. That's got to be there in the picture for you. If you're looking at this world and expecting this world to satisfy you, you're always going to be disappointed. There's, there's, there's always going to be reasons in this world that are going to disappoint you. And we know that. It's not that there can't be good. It's not that there's not rich blessings in this world. It's not that God has not given us lots of good things to enjoy. It's just that they can't be it. He's it. He's the author and the finisher of our, of our faith. Uh, and he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. So we're supposed to be looking to him, looking to great things. Christianity is not for us to survive, to hang in there, you know, and just, you know, let's hang in there till Jesus comes back for us because it's a hard life and we don't like it much very here. No, we're supposed to be looking unto him and we're supposed to be thriving in our relationship with him. Not in the world. The world's not going to do it for us. It's not like the, it's not like the world is this big, big bad, dirty place that's always trying to, uh, to grab you. It's a distraction is what it is. It's always looking to pull you away from what you're going after. It's looking to have you looking at something else other than Jesus and to, and to draw you away from it. And you've got to keep bringing your eyes back to Jesus because he is it. He's what we're after. He's what we want. He's where we're going. All right? Any questions? I want, to, I want us to give some time to prayer here. I want to give you time to pray around each table, all right? Rory, could you get grab the, the offering bags from upstairs? I meant to bring them down. Um, <clears throat> all right, so listen, do look at the <clears throat> making it personal stuff. What's a self-feeder? Let me ask you the question. What's a self-feeder? Anyone? Okay, self-feeding is, is when you actually work out how to feed yourself, how to grow in the Word, and how to grow in God. That's being a self-feeder, right? Any of you can do it. This is not rocket science. This doesn't, you don't need to take a six-week course or, or a two-year course. Any of you can do it. You have the Holy Spirit. You have your Bible. You can start tomorrow. You can start feeding yourself and growing in the Word, right? It's important. Don't look to other people to do it for you. You know what? I can't do it for you in, in you know, two hours a week. That's it's not possible. It was never intended that I should do it for you. It's not intended that somebody else should do it for you. You're supposed to feed yourself. You're supposed to learn to grow in the Lord and to feed yourself. And you see, that's something that can never be taken away from you. Right? 